Praise the Lord. The shalom peace of God be upon all of us today. We are honored today to uh, stand before you, the fellow brethren of uh, GT, our distinguished visitors and guests here, the pastors, and everyone that's present this morning. But most of all, we are honored because Jesus is in the house. I say Jesus is in the house this morning. You need to believe because today's calendar in the Christian circle is an unprecedented calendar. It's an unprecedented date today. It is not just a festival we are, we are celebrating. It's not some water festival that we are shooting water at one another. It's not a new year that we are celebrating today. We are celebrating today, fellow brethren, an empty tomb. You don't sound excited. I say we are celebrating an empty tomb. Now who in their right frame of mind would want to celebrate an empty tomb? Well, for one, I would like to celebrate an empty tomb. You know why? Because if I celebrate an empty tomb, it means that every year I don't need to visit that grave. Isn't it? Yes, give the Lord a lovely clap of it. Jesus knew that if the tomb was not empty, all of us will be there every year, every day. And we'll be probably spending most of our time there praying for some resurrection. But today, we don't have to do that because it is finished. You don't sound too happy and excited. Come on, Jesus said, it is finished. The job is done. Mission accomplished. That's the title of my message today. After it is finished, then comes the good part. After Good Friday, comes the resurrection day. And if you look at the slide today, Jesus the power of His resurrection. That's the title of my sermon this morning. This is the good part. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is now evident, that is now available for you and I. And that is the reason why we are here. This is the central theme for every Christian. If not for this, you and I would not be seated here this morning. If it's not for this resurrection power, we would have nothing to shout about. We would have nothing to preach about. But because we have the resurrection power, we can boast that the God that we serve is a living God. Hallelujah. Come on, get excited. If you need to jump, if you need to shout, go ahead. Jesus is in the house this morning. There was once in the book of Genesis, when it first started in chapter 1, verse 1, the earth was void without form. It was dark, but the Spirit of God moved. And on Calvary, at 3 p.m., Good Friday, suddenly the skies were darkened. The earth was once again darkened. For a second time. 
But praise God, three days later, the light suddenly shone out. The light of God suddenly showed out. And the Spirit of God moved. And that happened more than 2,000 years ago. And I'm saying to you, fellow GDMs, fellow brethren, today, the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is moving in this place. It's hovering over every one of you today. The anointing of the power of the resurrection is upon you and I. This is the message that we preach so passionately. This is the message of the gospel that we are compelled to share day in and day out, year in and year out because it is a powerful gospel. It is a gospel not for good sake. It is a gospel for life. Amen. Paul understood what it meant. When he spoke about this power in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 11, he says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let us pray. Father, we come this morning Acknowledging that there is no other, there is no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. There is no other name except the name of Jesus that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you, God, are Lord. So today, Lord, we submit to you, Jesus. We submit to your Lordship. May the power of your word be made evident in each one of our hearts. May the power of your word come alive in each one of us. May faith rise up big within us today. We ask for your anointing to give understanding. We ask for your anointing to touch our hearts. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. Now when Paul made these few verses... He understood what it meant to really know Jesus. And that was his ultimate goal. His goal was not to achieve the prize, but his goal was to, uh, to finish the race. And in order to finish the race, he needed to have the power of the resurrection. But more than that, we need to understand there are two other areas that we need to consider First, before we can talk about the power of the resurrection. Number one, we need to share the fellowship of his sufferings. That's the part we find difficult. When we talk about sufferings, it is difficult to comprehend. It is difficult to accept. But that is what he said. You need to share in that fellowship of his sufferings. And you need to be conformed unto his death. We need to die to self. We need to die to our flesh. We need to die to our own human thinking. We need to die to our own human intellectualism. We need to die to flesh altogether in order to achieve this resurrection power. And this is what Paul said, that if by any means, whatever way, how long it takes, 
how difficult it may be, how difficult that I have to go through in life, I want to attain this resurrection power. That was his ultimate goal in life. That was the race that he was running. That was the race he was prepared to run. But today, many of us, when we are here, we say we are Christians, we run the race. Imagine a person that runs a marathon. He runs 30 kilometers. That's when he enters the stadium for the final lap. He can hear the roar of the crowd in the stadium. He can hear the sound of the roar of the stadium. And now he's almost at the last drop of his energy and he makes the entry into the gate. But when he enters the stadium, right at the top on the, on the table where all the prizes are laid out, he gets a look at the prize. And the prize is such a big trophy, it's such a big, beautiful prize. He forgets that he has to make one last lap round the stadium. So what he does, looking at the prize, he runs across the padang, the field. He takes a shortcut. Runs straight to the finishing line. Many Christians make that mistake. We run for the good part of our Christian walk and just at the end, when we are at the last lap, when we enter the stadium, we take shortcuts. Because of the price. It's not the price that matters. For Paul, it's finishing the race. That was his focus. And rightly so. He said, in order to achieve this resurrection power, I must be crucified. He said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, For I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Our lives must be crucified. Self must be crucified. Flesh has to be crucified in order to achieve this resurrection power. Church, are you ready to receive and go through this? Now it doesn't sound so exciting. But it's only the beginning of a message. You have not heard the end yet. The best is always the last. Paul understood what he was talking about. He understood in order to achieve this power, this resurrection power, there must be a price to pay. He was not just a believer. Paul was a follower. He was what we call in our present day a die-hard fan of Jesus Christ. Die, die, follow Jesus. But sadly, today we have got die-hard fans for K-pop, M-pop, S-pop, whatever pop. And everywhere is popping. 
We are not talking about celebrities. We are talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As I say it again, Jesus is in the house today. We are talking about life and death. When you talk about Resurrection Day, you talk about an empty tomb. You talk about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power is still available today. And the good news is that power is within you and within me. You don't sound very excited this morning. A power that people pay money for, a power that people crave for, a power that people pursue for, that power is now in you and I. Amen. If you are here for the first time, if this is the first time you heard a message like this, let me tell you the good news. You are in the right place. And may I say this to you, death is not final today to you. Do not fear death because death is not a final call. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Paul knew what he was talking. When this happened on the resurrection day, he knew finally, finally, the mystery of the gospel has been revealed. The treasures of the glory of God has been revealed. He wrote it down in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, The treasures of the glory of God is now revealed that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sounds heavy, huh? I'll just put it in very simple words. Are you all Christians? Huh? Do you know what it means to be a Christian? Do you know why you are called a Christian? You are called a Christian because Jesus follows, you follow Jesus, right? And Paul says, that mystery of the riches of the treasures of God is now revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, Christ is in us today. Amen. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is in me. And then turn to your neighbor again and say, I have hope. This is the year of hope, church. This is what we are talking about, hope. Because Christ is in us, there is hope. There is life. There is victory. There is power. But you don't understand, Pastor. I have this problem, you know. I have this big, serious health problem, you know. I have this issue. It has been with me and been haunting me for years. But I ask, are you a Christian? Yes, I've been a Christian for 15 years. So what has Jesus done for you? I pray, but He never answer. Why He never answer? I don't know. Today, all this can change. If you can believe. If you have the heart to believe. If you have the will to believe, all this can change. We are not supposed to live a Christian life like that. 
The reason why we are living in this state is because we do not understand that within us lies the power of the resurrected God. Within our hearts lies the power of Jesus Christ. Within us, we have the power to change things. Within us, we have the power to change the environment. We have the power to influence the environment. But sadly, the enemy, the circumstances of this world, the problems, the anxiety, it has clouded us and put a veil over our eyes and deceived us. I say to you, church, rise up today. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is present here this morning. Amen. Paul understood what John spoke about. Paul understood what the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke, they spoke about. Jesus said this, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his own life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he loses his own soul? Amen. And gains the whole world. What does it profit a man? That's why Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This he understood. And when Jesus said this, he set the tone for an understanding of the resurrection power. In the book of John, John records down that in chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus stood before Martha and said this to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And everyone, whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question he asked Martha. Do you believe this? We backtrack on this to chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus said this, it was much later. All this happened because Lazarus, Martha's brother, had fallen sick. He was very ill in the town called Bethany. And he was so ill that the two sisters, Martha and Mary, decided to send messengers to summon or to call Jesus to tell him about the news so that Jesus can come and pray for their brother and hopefully heal him and raise him from his sickness. When these messengers reached Jesus and told Jesus the news about Lazarus' condition, Jesus says, you know what Jesus said? He said, this sickness is not unto death. Sister, I say to you, you are seated somewhere here. Whatever you are going through, the sickness is not unto death today. The sickness is not unto death if you believe, because it is so that the God of heaven and earth will get all the glory.
And Jesus told his disciples, this is, we shall tarry on wherever we are doing ministry for another two more days. But his disciples said, hey, your good friend, your best friend is sick and probably will be dead or is going to die. Aren't you going to pray for him? But Jesus said, no, no, he won't die. He will just go to sleep. Look at these words. He will just go to sleep. He will not die. Now, they couldn't comprehend what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was setting the tone for the resurrection. The, the incident in chapter 11 of John was a prelude to the resurrection. It was a foretaste. It was something that Jesus wanted to show His disciples who He actually is. And after two days, doing ministry where he was, Jesus told the disciples, let us now head back to Bethany and look into our friend, Lazarus. By the time he arrived at Bethany, he got news that Lazarus was already dead four days. His body was already in the tomb. They laid him in the tomb. They sealed the tomb with a stone. That was it. He was there. This was the tomb where Lazarus' body was laid. For those of you who have been to Israel, this was where they laid the body, right down here, supposedly. And those are the steps that he needs to climb up to get to the entrance. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is twofold, church. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is not a special day in the Christian calendar. The resurrection is not a festival. The resurrection is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the resurrection. Amen. I am is the old name for God in the Old Testament. When Moses was instructed by God to speak to Pharaoh about the deliverance of the people from Egypt, Moses asked God, what shall I tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh your name? And God says, tell Pharaoh my name is I am. That I am. I am is the name of God. I am is because I am is here. He is here today. I am is today. I am is not tomorrow. I am is not yesterday. I am is here today. And I am is speaking to your hearts today. I am ready to heal. I am willing to set you free. I am willing to give you life. I am say, I am is here. I am is resurrection. It's not a special day. Resurrection is about Jesus Christ. Number two, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Life is in the name of Jesus. Life is in Jesus. Life is all about Jesus. He says, I am the life. John wrote it down in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things was made through Jesus. And nothing, without Him, nothing was made that was made. And then in verse 4, He says, In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Today, that life is in you and me. Today, the light of Jesus is in you and me. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Church, you have the power to influence this nation. You have the power to influence this community. You have the power to influence your oikos. You have the power to change whatever in this nation because you are the light of this world. Wow, you missed a good point to give glory to God. Jesus, when He made that declaration, He didn't just say it. Whatever Jesus says, He always backed it up by action. He was teaching His disciples. They were always on the road with Jesus. And He was always an OJT, on-the-job training. So when He stood outside the tomb, He proved to them that indeed, Lazarus was sleeping. He wanted to wake Lazarus up. Amen? He stood outside the tomb and he summoned the people, some of the people, to roll away the stone. He needed partners, human partners, to roll away the stone. That was the first thing he did. And then after that, he gave a long shout, loud call. Lazarus, come out. Now you know why I speak so loud. My wife has been baffled all these years. She says, don't shout into the mic. Don't speak so loud. If I don't speak loud, the demons won't come out. The bondages won't break. Amen. Life won't come into that man in the cave. We need to shout. Amen. It's not just being loud. It's the voice of authority. It's the voice of power. It's the voice of life. It's the voice that summoned things that were not as though they are. Calling out whatever that you have faith to believe in. Calling it into existence. Calling your healing into existence. Calling your deliverance into existence. Calling your relationships that have failed into existence. Calling everything that you think is dead to come alive. Calling your business into existence. Calling the rise of your business. Calling the rise of your job career. Calling everything that you see is dead and gone to come alive. Now you know why you need to shout. Now you know why you need to give praise to God with a shout. Amen. Now you know why you need to clap hands. Because you don't shout loud enough. You can definitely clap loud. Now I want you to put on your imagination. Jesus is outside the tomb. The entrance has been opened. The stone has been rolled away. And he's standing there and calling Lazarus to come forth. Now mind you, Jewish tradition, when someone dies, they don't just bury them. They 
mummify them. They roll them and they wrap them in grave clothes with all the aloes and all the spices and everything. They wrap them from head to toe. Wrap them up. Tightly, they wrap them up. Legs bound, hands bound, everything bound, even the head bound. The eyes can't be seen. All closed up. When Jesus called Lazarus to come out from this place, I want you to imagine how on earth did Lazarus get up in the first place? Have you ever wondered? How on earth did he get up? Nobody would want to go into that cave. No one. I don't think you would want to go there. Four days he's been dead. They would be wondering it's rotting. It would be smelly. Nothing nice. Nobody wanted to go in. But Jesus didn't ask anyone to go in. He just asked them to roll away the stone. He knew. No point asking men to go down. They wouldn't go down. He just called him out. How did he get up in the first place? And how did he get up to all these steps? Wrapped up in grave clothes. Many years ago when I read this part, I wondered. And when I saw these steps going up, I also wondered. Then I saw this Chinese movie, you know. They come out like that. Have you seen that? I'm sure you have seen that. And I wondered, maybe that was how Lazarus came out. Like that. But it would have been totally difficult for him to do that, climbing up all those steps. Amen. But praise to the name of Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus when he utters a word, whatever is not will be. Amen. He said in the beginning, let there be light and there was light. The power of the word when he goes forth, it shall not return void. When he called Lazarus, miraculously, Lazarus came out. This is the God that you and I are serving. This is the power of the resurrection. When he came out of the tomb, then only when the people saw, he told them, remove his grave clothes. Amen. They were all in awe how this thing can take place. But Jesus proved to them, Lazarus is not dead, he is only asleep. There is only a foretaste of what is to come next. Jesus was going to say, this is the manner in which the Son of Man will be raised up in power. This is the manner in which the Son of God will be resurrected. What you see today is just a shadow of what is to come. What you see and witness today is something that I was saying, that in three days' time, I will be raised up in power. And that took place in John chapter 20. On a morning like this, in the tomb, where they laid the body of Jesus. Now I'm going to throw this in for free. Good Friday, Jesus was crucified on the cross. For your information, in those Roman times, the law of the Romans is that anyone who is crucified on the cross, they will not be buried. They are supposed to hang on the cross till they die. And they will be left there to rot 
the body will be left there to rot. And after that, they will remove the body and they will just take it to a valley called the Valley of Hinnom, which is outside one of the gates of Jerusalem called the Dung Gate. How many of you have been to Israel? Can I see your hands? Have you been to the Dung Gate? The reason why it's called the Dung Gate is because it smells like dung. That's the gate where they throw all the rubbish, the dead carcasses and everything, even the dead body, they throw it down there. That is the law. But praise God, Jesus' body could not see corruption. Amen? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was a man who knew no sin. Therefore, his body will not rot. Jesus had two friends of high standing in the Jewish circle. One of them was Nicodemus. The other was Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph approached Pilate for the body of Jesus. And then they took the body down, prepared the body, and he personally put Jesus' body in a tomb which was reserved for him and his family. As we come to the second part now, in chapter 20 of John, Jesus now talks about his own death, burial and resurrection. On that morning like this, Mary Magdalene, first thing before the break of dawn, ran to the place where they placed the body of Jesus. Before even reaching the tomb, she saw from afar that the stone was rolled away. When she saw that, she perceived that someone had taken the body of Jesus. She never even went right to the entrance or entered the tomb to check it out. She just perceived that Jesus had entered, had body had been taken away. So when that happened, she ran back and told Peter and John that someone had taken the body of Jesus. You know, what Mary saw was what most of us see. We see things from afar. And we perceive with our natural eyes what we want to see. And our natural eyes sometimes fool us and tells us, this is not possible. This cannot be true. Jesus cannot heal. Jesus is not able. This problem is too big for Jesus to solve. My problem is too difficult for even Jesus to intervene. Never mind. Too big problem is okay. I also got problems. Three days ago, suddenly, things happened suddenly. I had a severe toothache. It was so painful that I couldn't even eat on this side of my mouth, on the left side. This teeth that was giving me problem, it was fixed more than a year ago by the dentist. And out of the blue, the pain came on suddenly. And on Good Friday, I couldn't take it. I had to go and see the dentist. As much as I would like to 
avoid seeing the dentist. How many of you like seeing the dentist? I have this great apprehension seeing the dentist. Why? Because I just can't stand the noise of the drilling. The ee, the high-pitched drill. I will clench my hands and I will straighten my toes. That is the best place to get all the secrets out from me. Driving to the dentist, I was telling and saying and having a conversation with God. I said, God, today is Good Friday. And preparing this message, I was thinking to myself, now I'm living this message. Like Paul says, to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I was telling God, it's okay if I lose this teeth. Because on the phone, the dentist said, if this pain recurs again, I'm afraid we have to extract it. I say, God, it's okay if I have to lose this teeth on Good Friday. But what if every year I have to preach on Easter and Good Friday? Does this mean I will have to lose more teeth? So if that be the case, in five years' time, I will have no more teeth. How to preach? I went up to the dentist's office, the cleaning. I sat there, waited for my turn. While waiting for my turn, you wouldn't believe it. The pain suddenly disappeared. Amen. Suddenly disappeared. I realized, hey, no more pain. I was feeling my teeth, knocking it, pushing it. No more pain. So I was thinking to myself, this sometimes happens, doesn't it? You have a high fever, and then the day you visit the doctor, suddenly the fever disappears. It's as if your body or the virus or the bacteria knows that you're going to see the doctor. It disappears. When I went into the, the, the actual dentist room, when the dentist saw me, I said, Doctor, today is Good Friday. It has to be a Good Friday. Save my teeth. Whatever it costs, save my teeth. I know these days, if you extract your teeth, you can do what? Implant. You do crowning. You can do all kinds of things. But nothing like your original teeth. I'm old school. Nothing like the original parts. I'm not interested in potong kreta parts. I want original parts. So I want to keep my teeth for as long as I can. I understand. People our age, we will start losing our teeth. We start losing our hair as well. But we pray that God will keep it longer. The dentist checked through everything. The, the actual teeth, there was the problem teeth, checked through. The rest of the teeth checked through. Checked the gums and everything. Everything they checked. Complete overhaul. Servicing. The result, nothing wrong with your teeth. Amen. It's a small story. But I say, you still need the resurrection power of God to change things. 
It's nothing spectacular. Just one tooth. But to me, that tooth was precious. But you still need the power of God to change the environment, to change the situation. If you're seated here today, and yesterday, last week, when you went to see the doctor, and they showed you the, your medical report, and it didn't look so good, let me tell you this. Yes, I believe in doctors. I believe that their medical reports are true. I believe that they are, they are a fact that you, have, you may have what kind of disease you may have, what type of uh, 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 impediment in your body. But I believe in the truth. Church, are you hearing me? I say I believe in the truth. The truth is by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. You may still hold that piece of paper, but I'm saying the book says by your by our stripes, Jesus' stripes, we are healed. And I will guarantee you this book is real. This book is alive. This book is the truth. Because why I dare to guarantee? Because I know who my guarantor is. His name is Jesus Christ. For the last 32 years, He has not failed me. Try my Jesus today. If you're here for the first time, try my Jesus. Yes, you will still go through some sufferings, but then you are never alone. You are never without hope. There's still hope. Amen. You may hold that piece of paper, the medical report, but reports are made so that God can change it for the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't look at it through your natural eyes. Look at it through the eyes of faith. That's why there's not many slides today. We don't need many slides. Because when you look at the slides, if you don't take notes, I guarantee you three weeks you'll forget everything that's on the slides. The slides will inform our mind. Today, God wants to speak to our heart. Three months from now, six months from now, eight months from now, you will forget these slides even. But if God speaks to your heart, six months from now, six years from now, when God gives you the feeling today, the feeling that the presence of God is here in this place, the feeling of the presence of God that God is speaking to you, the feeling of the presence of God that's surrounding you, the feeling of God, the presence of God that moves you, that feeling will remain for the rest of your life. Today is a day for change, church. And how we perceive things, not through our natural eyes, but through our heart. Amen. God wants to speak to our hearts today so that you will have an experience, not tomorrow, today. Right now, in five minutes' time, you will have that experience to know that Jesus is alive. These altars will be open. You come. As you walk out of the aisle, you say, Jesus, I want this resurrection power. Peter ran back to the tomb after Mary Magdalene told him. He ran in. John ran in. John put his head in and saw 
an empty tomb. Peter ran inside and saw the grave clothes just, just uh, on, 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 on the place where Jesus laid him. Where's the next slide? Can I have the next slide, please? Thank you. That's, that's the tomb where Jesus laid. It was empty. Just the grave clothes by the side. Peter went in and he was trying to figure out what could happen. Who could have taken the body of Jesus? He was doing what we call a forensic investigation. He was trying to analyze who would be the possible people, the gardener, the Roman soldiers, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, who would have taken and hidden his body? Where would they have hidden that body? Or even the apostles, or even the disciples of Jesus. He was trying to figure out all that with his natural mind. But when John went in, he saw the empty grave. And my Bible says in John chapter 20, he says, He believed. He believed. Do you believe today? Do you believe today? Three people saw the same scene and three people had different thoughts. Which of the three do you belong to today? Do you belong to Mary who stood from afar and watched and perceived? Or would you be like Peter trying to analyse with your human understanding, your human mind? Or would you be like John, simply believing? Now Mary ran back to the tomb again. And this time she came to the entrance of the tomb and she started to cry. And then as she placed her head into the tomb, two angels were there. They started to talk to her. And they asked her, why are you crying? And she says, someone has taken my master away. Tell me where have they taken him? And as she continued to cry, Jesus appeared in the scene. And when Jesus appeared in the scene, she realized that there was someone standing next to her. But she didn't know Jesus, that it was Jesus. And it's a very sad thing. Many times, we are like that. When Jesus, when I say Jesus is in the house, many of us don't realize and don't believe that Jesus is in the house. I say Jesus is in the house this morning. Amen. He's next beside you. He's speaking to you today. Amen. But you may not understand and realize that He is here. But I'm saying He is here today. Just like Mary, she didn't realize. Then the then Jesus asks, why are you crying? She says, someone has taken the body of my master away. Mary didn't bother to look up, assuming that it was the gardener. Until Jesus called her name. When Jesus called her name, Mary, suddenly something clicked. Amen. She would be wondering, now, how on earth would this gardener know my name? How on earth would this person that I don't even know of, today is the first time I'm meeting him, know my name? 
When that name was called and when she recognized that familiar voice, she straight away responded and said, Rabboni, teacher, it is you. Today, thank God Jesus knows us by name. Not by our titles, but by our name. Amen. And Jesus is calling, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Come, I will give you peace. Peace not as the world gives, but peace that I give unto you. My shalom peace, that you will have peace with yourself, you will have peace with your family members, you have peace with your spouses, you have peace with your environment, you have peace with your community, and above all, you will have peace with the leaders of your nation. Wow, Pastor, that one difficult. Huh? The last one. The peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And Mary realized Jesus has truly resurrected. Amen. He's alive. But that's not the end of the story. There is better things to come. There is better things to come. Paul says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. Because Jesus has resurrected, listen church, this is, the, this is the one that you and I, we are different from any other religions. You and I, we are different from any other persons on the face of this earth. You and I, we have a hope that you have never realized. Paul says, the incorruptible, the corruptible will take upon incorruptible. The mortal will take upon immortality. Amen? This is what was written by the prophets of old. This was what was written. That death will be swallowed up in victory. No more death. Death has got no more sting. Grave has got no more victory. Today, you and I live. That's why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live even if he dies. And anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You will never die. In the twinkling of an eye, if God tarries in the twinkling of an eye, your body will be changed. Amen. You will not be changed into a cockroach or a lizard. Your body will just be changed from mortal into immortality. From corruption into incorruptibility. Amen. How that's going to happen, I don't know. That's one I cannot, I cannot tell you. I haven't experienced that. If I experience that, I also cannot tell you. Because <laughs> I won't be around. But Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is why we celebrate. Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day is not an ordinary day. It's not an eventful day. Resurrection is Jesus. Amen. We mix up Resurrection Day with Easter. To be very honest, Easter is not the right word to describe this day. Easter is a pagan religious practice. That in the days of old, they worshipped this goddess, the Babylonian goddess of fertility and sex. 
This goddess was called Ishtar. Why does it combine with this and it's called Resurrection Day? It's because some smart ally, Constantine, by the name of Constantine, an emperor, Roman emperor, he decided to combine these two celebrations into one day and call it Easter. But it's different. Amen. A goddess of fertility and sex has gotten, got nothing to do with the resurrection. Amen. Many of us are fooled and deceived. Easter, by the signs of looking at everything around, we look at rabbits. We look at eggs. Hello, what has that got to do with resurrection? It's got nothing to do with resurrection. It's not about rabbits and eggs. It's about the power of God, church. The power to heal, the power to revive, the power to give life, the power to restore. This is the resurrection. And this is why we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to some. It is a stumbling block. To others, it is foolishness. But to us, all of us here seated as the called ones of Jesus Christ, this is the power of God. The wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. And the ways of God are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So this morning, let us just bow our heads now. For those you have not received Jesus, this Jesus who has the power to give you that resurrection power, who has the power to speak life into you, who has the power to restore. If you are here for the first time and hearing a message like this, let me tell you, in the whole entire world, until today, there's only one empty tomb. And Jesus proved it. Because God resurrected him. Nobody removed the stone from the empty tomb of Jesus. No human being removed the stone so that no human being can lay claim that he was responsible for raising Jesus from the dead. That stone that was rolled away from the tomb was done by God. Amen. Nobody raised Jesus but the power of God. And that same Jesus is here in the house this morning. If you have not received this Jesus who has the power to give life, who has proven to us that He can lay down His life and three days later He can take it up again. I want you to just raise your hands and you say, Pastor, I want to know this Jesus. I want to receive this Jesus. I want to receive this life. If you are the one, I want you to raise your hands very quickly very quickly so that we, we can pray for you to receive this life, this eternal life. Wherever you are seated, you are here for the first time, just raise your hands because today is a special day. Today is a very good day to receive this life. Without much delay, as we just make the altar call, I just want, don't be shy, just raise your hands and say, Pastor, I've gone through life searching for the truth. This message is the truth. This message comes from a book. 
inspired by God, written by men. This Bible holds the truth because for 40 days after Jesus was resurrected, many of His disciples witnessed that resurrection. Witnessed Jesus walking with them, talking with them, eating with them. Jesus could walk through doors, could walk through walls. That was the difference because He had taken on immortality. He had taken on a resurrected body. And we today have that hope because our God is alive. I urge to give Jesus a try today. If you are the one that God is speaking to this morning, just want you to raise your hands very quickly. For those of us, if your life has been routine, you are just living through Christianity day in, day out, without much, much effect, without much evidence of the resurrected power in your life, today is a good time to receive that new life again. God is here. Jesus is here to fill you once again so that you may go through life not having to worry about tomorrow because you serve a resurrected living God. All things, all things are possible with Jesus. Nothing is impossible with Him. So let us stand this morning.